You're listening to LeBeau's Life Lessons. Tune in and go to LeBeau'sLifeLessons.com for more episodes. Share, like, follow, and subscribe. And remember, you can change if you truly want to. Hello and welcome to LeBeau's Life Lessons. Today we have a special, special episode because I have my good friend, Dana with me. Hey! He is an awesome, phenomenal person, and I'm going to uh, give her a second to, to introduce herself properly. Um, today we're talking about reactive attachment disorder, and we are going to be going into a lot of interesting episodes where we talk about neurological disorders or personality disorders because the education around these things is so paramount. It's not common knowledge, but it affects our daily lives. And in order to know how to properly navigate and maneuver our way through life and success and survival and growth, we have to understand what is really going on. And unfortunately, not enough people have resources to proper therapy. And to be frank, a lot of us aren't reading as much as we should and using the tools that are there and free to us to help ourselves. And my philosophy is that sometimes people don't read a book, but they'll read you. And so it takes people like myself and Dana to, you know, absorb this wisdom and knowledge and share it with the community the best way we can. So with that being said, Dana, can you let us know your background and just briefly tell us about uh, who you are, where you come from, and why you are so passionate about the work that you do? Thank you so much, and it is a pleasure to be here. My name is Dania McKellar Intaka. I am originally from the state of Texas. I grew up there. My family traces their roots to Texas beyond before 1870. That's where they settled after the uh, European slave trade. I'm fourth generation entrepreneur. I was educated in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at Temple University, University of Pennsylvania and Drexel University where I studied biology, pre-medicine, public health, neurophysiology, and my terminal degrees are in anatomy and physiology. I have a profound interest in pelvic anatomy and hormones, but before we really study the woman, we have to, or the man, we have to study the brain. The brain mm -hmm. tells all of our organ systems what to do. And I am passionate about public health. My company is the Campus of Care, Global Healthcare Corporation, and we focus on healthy outcomes for women, children, and all marginalized people. Thank you. I love that. So that brings us right into our topic today. And you'll see Dania come back multiple times to enlighten us with her wisdom on these different types of neurological disorders that influence and impact every type of person, regardless of their background, skin color, or intelligence level. Please always understand that when we are discussing these things, we're not discussing 
morality, and we're not discussing intelligence level. Mental illness has nothing to do with that. So let's keep that separate. And when we do go into these things, the objective is not to demonize the behavior, but to make people aware and to understand. So I'm going to first start with giving you guys a diary entry that speaks directly to this issue. Today, I met my patient, Alexis, who has been diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. Alexis has been coming to therapy for several years now. And in our precious session, previous sessions, we have been working on building trust and creating a safe space for her to express her emotions and fears. During today's session, Alexa shared an embarrassing moment with me. She revealed that she had confessed her feelings to a coworker, hoping that they would reciprocate her feelings. Unfortunately, her coworker did not feel the same. Alexis felt humiliated and rejected. During today's session, Alexis spoke and it became clear that her desire to connect with this coworker was truly rooted in a genuine, uh, a non-genuine attraction, but actually her deep-seated abandonment issues. Hmm. She shared that she had always struggled with feeling unloved and unwanted, and her need for connection often led her to develop intense attachments to people who showed her even the slightest bit of attention. Through our conversation, it became clear that this incident was not unique to Alexis. She often finds herself developing strong emotional attachments to people who she perceives as caring or nurturing, only to feel devastated when they fail to reciprocate her feelings. These feelings of rejection reinforce her belief that she is unlovable, leading to a vicious cycle of seeking validation through relationships. As we delve deeper, into her past experiences. We explored how Alexis' RAD diagnosis had impacted her relationships throughout her life. Her early experiences of neglect and abandonment had left her with a profound sense of distrust towards others, making it difficult for her to form meaningful connections. Daniel, what is your immediate reaction to this initially, hearing this diary interest in entry of a therapist? That's a great question because anytime we hear something, we always have an immediate reaction, even if we don't state it. And my immediate reaction makes me think of some cross-cultural connections that we have never gotten and that causes mm. us to continue to seek validation from people who may not be interested in our camaraderie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking when I see this, I work with kids and, and I see this type of thing often with kids. And we're going to go into the origin of this next. I, I switched um, 
one of my topics from the bottom, put it up a little bit higher for relevance. But we're going to talk about the origin of this. But I see this in children a lot. And if you're really paying attention to your children and you're seeing them get their feelings hurt often because they thought some little kid was their friend and turns out they don't really like them. Mm-hmm. And they keep forming these, these attachments to children very quickly. They get stuck like glue to the kid. And then it's like a breakup, even in friendship with children. And this goes on into adulthood. It's not something that easily goes away. This is a can be a lifelong battle and struggle for people with every type of relationship. And that's what I want to emphasize. It's not just about intimate uh, relationships, man and woman. It's sometimes it's woman to woman. Sometimes it's man to man. And we've seen it. We've seen it on television. Uh, a good example of this type of person is Michael from The Office. Yeah. If you ever watch The Office and you see how he's always trying to impress people, always um, exaggerating the nature of the relationship and how deep it is, his friendship is or his relationships are with other people, it's a deep desperation for validation. So where does this come from? Reactive attachment disorder or RAD is a complex mental health condition that can develop when a child experiences severe neglect, abuse, um, or other forms of trauma during early childhood. So that's when we see it developing in early childhood. And I just want to say this to the person who has normalized their abuse and they don't think that they were abused, but they have these types of um, symptoms. You don't see what you went through as trauma, but it's still trauma. You don't have to believe what you went through is trauma, but it's still trauma. I remember I was talking to a friend of the family and he was talking about how he was disciplined as a child. And he casually said, oh, when my mom would whip us, she would strip us naked and hang us up and she would whoop us naked. And to him, that was just a good whooping, bare, bare naked. But that was trauma. And the reason why he was normalizing that is because it happened so often, he thought everybody else was going through it as well. And so it made him in turn think as an adult, his form of of, uh, discipline was a lot nicer, even though it was still as toxic, it just wasn't as severe as what his mom used to do. So he thought he was better. And he had no clue on how this traumatize him in his life so some of you you have not had experiences like that you'll say oh i got spankings but i wasn't i wasn't beat or i wasn't molested or i didn't go through this or that it doesn't matter people deal with different forms of trauma in different ways maybe it was racial trauma it's still trauma if you're a black american in this country you've experienced trauma period just because you're black that's right. Okay, so let's start there. Okay, and just p- 
pushing on and trying to forget it does not mean that you heal or that you heal correctly. Whether you acknowledge these things or not, or whether you receive it or not, does not mean it's not impacting you. So here are some ways that you can recognize that you or your child or a child you love or a person you love is experiencing reactive attachment disorder. Um, well, first of all, they lack emotional responsiveness. They may feel emotionally detached or unresponsive and show no reaction um, to comfort, okay? Or they have an issue with social cues. Another sign is that they don't like physical touch. Now, this isn't for everybody, or let's just say that they don't like physical touch from anybody but certain people. Like, they're very selective with who they will allow to touch them, okay? Um, they may resist trying to be held or comforted. Third thing is they have indiscriminate attachment. So sometimes the opposite is true, whether like they, they're the type of kid that immediately goes to hug an adult that they don't know, hugging a stranger. Mm -hmm. I was in a classroom yesterday and a little girl walked up to me and she said, can I have a hug? The first thing she did when I walked through the door and she hugged me before she left too. And I just want parents to understand this. You have to pay attention to your kid. Emotional well-being of your child is top priority. Okay? No matter what is going on in your life, get your priorities straight. Um, a failure to seek comfort when they need comfort. Sometimes the kid does not reach out for help or comfort when they're, you know, when they need it. And I'm talking about adults as well, because they're used to self-soothing. They start rocking. I saw a kid the other day started banging his head against the wall because they know nobody's going to come when they cry. That is not good, guys. Daniel, you have anything on this? Uh, my immediate reaction to some of the anecdotal examples that you're giving is the ACES study, which is the mm -hmm. Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Um, it's a very popular mm -hmm. study. Currently, a lot of work is being done by the California Surgeon General, Dr. Nadine Harris-Burke. And what happens is you, there are 10 adverse childhood experiences ranging mm -hmm. from abuse, neglect, all the way up to drug abuse by a parent, parental incarceration. For each one of those, you get a point. And there's an interview that you get where you are interviewed as an adult to see how many ACEs that you have. But from a public health standpoint, the most interesting thing about adverse childhood experiences is that they not only cause mental trauma, but later in age, the accumulation of those experiences converts to hypertension heart disease. You actually develop physical illnesses because of Yes, exactly. And I'm so glad you brought that up. For those of you who don't understand that association, um, I, I cannot say that I can clearly um, tell you how emotion turns into 
cancer or some other type of adverse um, physical condition, but it does. Okay, it does. So with that being said, I was telling a child the other day, um, I think I told two little boys the other day, it is okay for you to cry, but you can't keep crying. And I was explaining to these children about how they're, they're having these meltdowns of continuous crying, continuous crying can hurt their health. And I said, I don't want you to get sick. I need you to wipe your eyes and calm down. And so teaching them coping methods so they can calm themselves down is so important. A lot of adults are reaching for supplemental um, supplemental uh, coping uh, substances, let's just say substances, to help themselves deal with issues they don't know how to properly cope from. So they don't know how to cope healthily. So what do they reach for? Alcohol, sex, drugs, some other form of negative addiction that creates a vicious cycle. And the next thing you know, they're addicted to stuff because of the compounding effects of life on top of their neurological issues. It takes just a few times to repeat the same behavior, and then the next thing you know, you have something controlling you, okay? Um, another way you can tell someone has a reactive attachment disorder is that um, they may inhibit their emotional reaction, okay? So they won't cry when they should let, let out a tear, okay? Their reaction, and then sometimes they get angry, when they should be crying because it's easier to get angry than to cry for them. Um, they have a difficulty forming relationships that are healthy due to trust issues. And finally, anger and aggression. Um, they can be destructive. They can start punching things, throwing things, screaming. Okay, you see children do this in school, in daycare even when they're all the way up to, to uh, high school, they're doing these things, lashing out. Sometimes they black out or some, what some people call click out. And then the next thing you know, they're out of control. Dana, anything else before I go into the 12 lessons on reactive attachment disorder? We're gonna keep going back and forth. Uh, yes, I'm taking notes as things come to my mind, uh, the mechanism of the why things happen. Mm -hmm. In science, mm -hmm. we don't, on the streets, we say why. In the lab, we say, what is the mechanism of? Here's the mechanism of how stress turns to disease. We have mm -hmm. various hormones and neurotransmitters, which are chemicals in our brain. Mm -hmm. Cortisol mm -hmm. is the one that many people, especially Black people, don't get the mm -hmm. connection between being angry, being in that fight or flight 911 mode all the time. And you told your yeah. uh, student correctly. Uh -huh. You think about running from the bear. We need to have adrenaline when we are running through the woods and you see a bear. But Dr. Burke uh -huh. says, the pediatrician says, what if the bear is your mom? And every yeah. time you see your mother or your father, you're in mm -hmm. that fight or flight mode. So cortisol is what hangs out in our bloodstream and it causes us not to be able to lose weight around the midsection. 
And mm -hmm. also the last point is there is a branch of science called epigenetics yes. that studies my the, of my favorite too, the effects of trauma from previous yes. generations. And there's a whole lot of science out of that that I do hope we get into as the weeks go on. Yeah, and I did a series on epigenetics. And, and every time I talk about epigenetics to somebody, I know I feel like they think I'm crazy because <laughs> the way it sounds, it's, it's not a, a uh, well-known, it's not well-known, right? See, there are certain sciences that are considered settled science. And so everybody knows it. It's household science. Epigenetics is not household yet. So it's new to a lot of people. So when you try to explain it, they're like, what? But, um, you know, you, you made me think about how uh, that, that crying, those crying spells and that stress also kills brain cells, just like alcohol does. So what yeah. are you doing? You are actually ruining your memory. This is why when you go into uh, a doctor's office and you say, I'm having such trouble um, remembering things. The first thing they're going to ask you is, have you been depressed? Because when you get depressed, you are, you, and your brain can um, renew memory cells every day, especially depending on your diet and your, you know, the vitamins you take and things like that. But you're, you're killing them off because of all this crying and stressing. And I think that's so sad. Um, but let's get into the 12 lessons on reactive attachment disorder and I'll try to go quick, okay? Number one, people with reactive attachment disorder want to feel close to others, but are scared of being left alone. They're stuck in a cycle of needing love, but not knowing how to accept it, okay? and. Uh, to make this make sense, it's kind of like because they have such trust issues because of the abandonment, when somebody shows them love, they don't trust it. So that's why they don't accept it. Okay. The second lesson is they'll constantly seek validation and affection from their partner, always doubting their love for them. And that can stem from when a child is uh, neglected, for instance. The mother is supposed to show love, right? Okay, so when that child has that neglect from mother or guardian or whoever it is in the house that's supposed to be loving them, it's easy to develop a, a habit of thinking, I know this person is supposed to love me, but I don't think they will because the people who were supposed to in the past didn't. Dana, you have something on that? Yes, I do. Thinking back to the young lady who hugged you the minute that she saw you, uh, there's a group of scientists who study touch. We have the babies whose mothers are born addicted in our units, and we have volunteers who hug and hold those babies. A minimum of eight hugs per day are needed for bare survival. That's not even success in thriving. <laughs> Let me tell I just, I just, my God. It just makes me cringe. It makes me cringe so bad that so many have this idea that they're just supposed to, to help their baby be more independent, that they have to let them cry it out. And, and guess what? You know what's so crazy? I have been talking about that for a while on my 
page. And I started reading a book about this great psychologist, okay? I love to read the greats. So I'm reading, reading, reading. And why does this philosophy come across? And I said, no, you were the one that pushed that idea that your baby is trying to get your attention and is manipulating you by crying. It's you, you're brilliant, how, why did you do that? And I know that so many people are listening to him and I don't wanna say his name because he says a lot of right things, but that wrong thing was so wrong. And now that he's dead and gone, women are still doing that. And it's so sad and it's causing so many issues. Um, let's see, what we're up, number three. Their partners feel like they're walking on eggshells, scared that any minor mistake would lead to rejection and abandonment. So that is also how you can tell if you are in a relationship with someone who has reactive attachment disorder, is that you feel like you have to walk on eggshells around them because they're gonna get upset, they're going to feel rejected, they're gonna feel attacked, they're going to feel like you're picking on them, you're nagging at them. That's This is where this comes from, guys. Danny, you have something? I'm good, just still taking notes as things mm -hmm, come to me. Mm -hmm. And number four, people with reactive attachment disorder become emotionally distant and struggle to trust. Even if they're given no reason to doubt, they may withdraw or become defensive when their partner tries to connect with them emotionally. Again, why is this? I want to explain that because I think a lot of people see this behavior and they don't understand it and they just dismiss it as they're crazy. No, what's happening is you're dealing with a person who, does, who can't trust anybody. So because they can't trust anyone, um, when you try to connect with them emotionally, they back away. They're afraid of that because they think that it's attached to some type of negative, a negative something that's going to happen later on. Oh, you're just being nice to me because you want this. Oh, I bet he's trying to get that. I bet she really wants this. And so even without any reason, they're creating the reason in their mind. And all you're trying to do is love them. But they've been conditioned to not believe in people. Okay. Number five, the partner will feel rejected or hurt when the rad sufferer pushes them away, which can create tension and conflict in the relationship. So here you are in a relationship with this person and whether it's friendship too, okay? Or any type of relationship. Here you are in a relationship with this person and they're rejecting you and you don't know why. You're wondering why is this person pushing me away? Again, rooted in distrust, disbelief, and a deep-seated feeling that eventually you're either going to leave me or you're going to hurt me. So let me just start to kind of back away from you and kind of get you before you get me. I'm just going to let you go a little bit so you can't hurt me. Okay. Number six, 
And we can take questions, guys. If you guys have any questions, let us know. Number six out of the 12 lessons. Someone with Brad has a cycle of unsuccessful relationships and emotional pain. So if you see a long um, history of this, then this isn't one indicator. Now, some people with Brad, they don't let people get close enough to them to have a long list of failed relationships and or they keep that secret. But this is, if they don't happen to keep a secret, this is a, a way that you can identify that. Number seven, people with Brad yearn for human connection, but their longing for love and affection is often misguided. And what does that look like? That looks like a student who forms an emotional or even a sexual um, desire for a teacher because the teacher is being nice to them. They interpret that nurture and nurturing and attention as love in a sexual way. So they might offer themselves up or misread that and think that that person wants to be with them and they don't. Um, and this can go into, this could get really bad. This could turn into a stalking situation. The person can become delusional, just like the example I used earlier with the lady Alexis. She decided that her coworker had feelings for her because she, in her mind, she read his kindness as flirtation. Okay. And this can also, guys, can lead to false allegations um, of a lady feeling like, oh, I, her husband, he's, he's, he makes me uncomfortable because um, he keeps saying, hey, 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 sweetheart, how you doing? Like, why is he calling me sweetheart? Or why did he hug me? You're not supposed to hug on another woman like that. In, and they, in their mind, they feel like they misread a lot of stuff like that. Okay. And so that can lead to a lot of hurt feelings, but also hurt feelings in terms of friendship. Someone can just be a really nice, kind person, or they're very well-mannered, um, or let's say they're just, you know, a sweet person, and they're being sweet to you, and now you're just like info-dumped your whole life on them. You told them your business, and you shouldn't have. Now they've gone run and tell your business because you trusted somebody you shouldn't have, because you assume they were your friend. And really, you are, not, you are not really friends, guys. So you have to understand. And, and, and also with mentors. Hi, guys. Um, in the comments. Mentors. This, is, this can easily happen between mentor and mentee. Someone misreading that mentor relationship or boss-employee relationship as, oh, this person is my friend also, or this person cares for me. Another example of that in a movie is, um, what is that movie with uh, Jim Carrey, the cable guy? That's an example. That's an, exa that's an exaggerated example of reactive attachment disorder, but that's what it can look like. Someone who just like, they, they take your, oh, we can... Oh, maybe we can hang out later as, oh, really? What day? I have.
time today. Can we go now? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. <laughs> and it's because, and then, and then a lot of times, and this, this is the worst, a lot of times the person is being nice, they get into a vicious cycle with the, with the grad sufferer because now they feel obligated because they feel sorry for the person. They feel empathy. Now they feel obligated to say, yes, we can hang out. Oh, yes, we can go here. And that reinforces the rad sufferer to believe, oh, this is my friend because they wouldn't have said yes to coming to this party or yes to doing this if they weren't my friend, right? So it's a lot of things we can misread. Danny, you have anything before I go to the next one? Uh, lacking uh, fatherhood and motherhood emotional attention many of it stems from from that. And you mentioned uh, the headbanging and memory loss. Many Mm -hmm. people don't know the term called CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And that deals with an abnormal accumulation of proteins in the brain that causes the memory loss. And it's Mm -hmm. headbanging can do that. Traumatic brain injuries, sports, and physical abuse for homes that have a lot of knocking around and pushing around. Absolutely. So, um, so there's a lot of problems around this. Let's see. Number eight out of the 12 lessons on reactive attachment disorder. They have a tendency to form attachments too quickly, latching on to anyone who shows a shred of kindness or attention. Have you ever had one of those friends who had a basic, bare minimum boyfriend and she just thought that he was so amazing. He's just so this. He does this to me. Oh, girl, well, I, we was out at the party and he came and brought me a drink and said, here you go. I got a drink for you. Can you believe that? Like he bought a drink and he, we, this is our first date and he's already doing this for me. Wow. He's so much better than my last boyfriend. And I don't doubt it because a lot of people with a reaction attachment disorder end up with cruddy people. Because any type of niceness, and this is a this is the danger, guys. These ladies are extreme risk for domestic violence situations mm-hmm. because they are so they have to be with the man so bad they need that validation on tap, okay? And they need it right away every day. You become an energy vampire, okay? Making other people responsible for how you feel about yourself. And so it, you will put up cruddy behavior just to get a little pinch of validation, okay? So here you are getting beat up 30% of the time. And you're like, well, 70% of the time it's okay, but 30% of the time my hair is getting pulled out of my head. Mm-hmm. Also what? You could have somebody call you beautiful and, and call you baby and hug you at night. This is coming from someone who had an abusive marriage, okay? My first marriage was like that. It's not rational. It does not make sense. It's illogical. And at a certain point, ladies, you have to realize that here's the mistake you're making if you're in that situation. You're blaming everything on him. And when I say that, I mean this. He's wrong for what he's doing. You're wrong for allowing it. 
Why are you accepting that? Okay. Get to the bottom of it. See why that is acceptable for you. Why doesn't that bother you? Why have you normalized that? Oh, well, I don't like it. I tell them I don't like it. I tell them to stop. You don't like it, but you but you're not reacting appropriately. That's not just saying stop or don't do that is not a correct response to living with an abuser. Um, Dana, do you have anything on this? I'm I'm good. No, I, uh, somebody, one of my viewers said, why did I put my page on private? Um, sometimes I put my page on private whenever I'm, I'm doing business stuff and I don't want people digging into my account and getting offended. You know, I talk about a lot of controversial things and I'm very, you know, outgoing and, and things like that. And so sometimes people are uncomfortable. Well, I mean, this is what I've gathered in my life experience, but sometimes people are not comfortable with opinionated women who have a voice. They're very vocal. They don't like that. So when they see this big personality, it makes them afraid. Um, so I try to cover some stuff up and then I, I opened it up today so I can go live. Okay. Number nine, their eagerness to connect with others is fueled by their fear of being alone and deep-seated desire to be loved. So that's why they're so in your face with trying to hurry, you know, meet up, they wanna go out with you, they wanna do this and that. And, and it's not a bad thing, but the eagerness is coming from, okay, this person, it was deprived in the beginning of their life of the very essential of emotional attention. And it's, it rewired their brain in such a way that they have to jump on every opportunity they can to build a connection. And the only reason why that is a problem, because connection is good, but it's good with the right people. Unfortunately, when you're going too fast, what happens? You end up in a what? A wreck. Because you can't, if you're moving too fast down the road, you're going to pass the yield sign. You won't see the stop sign. You're going too fast. So you're missing the red flags. Okay. So when you're too eager with the wrong person, you end up in a pothole. You end up in regret. So what is the correct approach? Slow down. I always say the naive trust, the wise test. Test, see. And also another rule I have that I heard a long time ago, and I and I I try to use this as much as possible. And I I for everybody, I hope that you use, you listen to this. Do not open the door wider than they open the door for you. If they open it a crack, you open it a crack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they close it back a little bit, you close it back a little. You don't need your door open like this and theirs is like this to you. And now you're doing too much 
and you're barely getting anything in return. Someone said, what about a window? Yeah, close the windows too. <laughs> when they open a window, then you open a window. That's right. You don't have it. Some of you, some of you guys, and I talked about this on one of my shows, and I don't remember which one it was. I wish I did. Some of you think that you're a really sweet, good person, and the truth is you're just a needy person. Mm. You need to do things for other people so they can like you and want to be your friend. And so you're doing it in exchange for validation. And so here you are going out of your way. You, you have to initiate, oh, I can help. I can do it. I can help. I want to. It's all right. I'll do it. And you're doing all of that because you get the pat on the back. Validation. Okay. Yes. Validation. I would say resist the urge. If that's you, not everybody has this problem. If that's you, resist the urge to insert yourself. Okay? That's good. Weigh it. Weigh it out. Weigh it out and see. Okay, is this really something that serves me or not? Because you know what happens to these people? You get worn out, stressed out. You, Everybody has you running around everywhere, taking care of everybody, taking care of everything. And you just, yes, 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 man, yourself into a situation where you don't have any time for yourself and nobody cares because everybody's getting what they want except for you. Someone said... The problem is they're always trying to look in, trying to look in. What do you mean trying to look in? Oh, you're talking about trying to look in your window. Okay, number 10. There are often times in one-sided relationships where they invest far more than the other person, right? Doesn't that sound right in line with this personality type? This is the person that gives, that's always planning the date. They're always giving the gifts. They're always saying, I love you. They're, they're the one hugging and affection and all of this. And while this person, the other person just laying back, taking it all, just take, take, take. They don't even, you don't even uh, require them to do anything to stay in your good graces. They just have to be there. Just a tap on the button. There you go. You look good. That's good enough for you. Number 11, easy to please. I'm just, I'm just telling you, easy to please. Number 11, they shower their partners with affection and attention only to realize too late that they didn't feel the same. Now, let me say this. You say you're in a relationship with somebody and y'all are both at the love stage, okay? So you're both there at the love stage. Um, but you are doing the most and they're not. Okay, let's say that you care a lot more than they do. They love you, but they don't, they don't show the level of concern and interest and energy towards you as you have towards them. So let's, let me give you an example. What would that look like? Um, let's say both of you have a bad day. Let's say Wednesday, he, he has a bad day. And... You're like, oh, I noticed you're not you're not happy. What's going on? Oh, this happened, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow, that's so that's so sad. And you're back and forth, back and forth. And you say, oh, well, you know what? 
how about we go get some ice cream on me? I'll, I'll get you some ice cream. Y'all go get some ice cream. And you cheer him up. And now he's all in a great mood because of your words of encouragement and, and all of that. Now, let's say the next day you have a bad day. And he said, oh, what's wrong with you? And you're like, well, I'm having some problems at work. Oh, okay. So anyway, you want to go to the Chinese food place for dinner? Right? This is a person that says, I love you as you're going out the door. They kiss you to bed, but they don't have the same energy towards you. And so this is what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're in a relationship, but that person doesn't feel the same way you do. And the truth is, over a long marriage, you go through seasons of this normally, ups and downs. Sometimes they're chasing you. Sometimes you're chasing them. You don't always, you know, are at the same level all the time. But it should not be a good chunk of time where you're chasing and nobody's chasing you. Okay. And, and you don't feel loved at the same level. Now, let's say you already went through all the five love language and they know in order to feel love, you need what? Um, affirmation. Right? Huh? Kind words, words of encouragement. Kind words, yes, affirmation. Mm -hmm. And and you know what their love language is, physical touch or something like that. Okay, and, and y'all both are giving each other that. We're not talking about just loving each other differently, a mistake there. I'm talking about straight up, they don't love you like you love them. Okay, that there's people in their life that, that concern you and you try to look out for them and they're not concerned about anybody you hang out with. It's not on the level. It's not, you're not yoked, right? You know? That's right. You're not yoked, right? So look at that too. Now, the truth of the matter is, if you're a rad sufferer, you're going to be intense. And sometimes, guys, if you're not properly healed, you could be the love bombing type and then the pull back promin type, okay? The type that gives love, 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 and then take it all away. Okay, that is not healthy. So you need, this is why we're talking about these things. Number 12, finally, for <laughs> reactive attachment disorder is, as a result, the RAS sufferer's self-esteem plummets and they find it hard to trust others. Again, so it's a re, it is a cycle of distrust. Because think about it. Let's say if, if your mom neglected you and you end up in a relationship already feel like feeling like that you shouldn't trust that person. So let's say you don't you kind of are back and forth and inconsistent. So that person's like, Well, I'm not really feeling you like that. And now, oh what? It's a big surprise. They're not really feeling me like that. They don't they're not they don't feel the same and now, oh I don't I don't trust them. So I knew I should have never gotten a relationship. See, it only reconfirms what I already thought. And that is the cycle that people put themselves through. Okay. All right. So how do you deal with this? How do you get help? Um, before I go into that, Daniel, do you have anything? Uh, a couple of things. Mm -hmm. With all mental disorders, we have in science the nature versus nurture argument. Mm -hmm. Is it mm -hmm. biology or is it environment? 
Mm-hmm. And it was always a 50-50. Sometimes it was biology that was more powerful. Sometimes it was environment. The mm-hmm. way the science and the literature is pointing now is that environment is even overriding biology, oh, which yes. is really powerful. That's right. All the time. And and that's that's all the time. See, you then, then you're going to make me go on a diatribe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to get diverted. But basically, Absolutely. The question, the age old question is, what matters more, nature versus nurture is going to be nurture because you could come here biologically one way through epigenetics. However, your environment does something great and sometimes something bad It's called neuroplasticity It's going to make you conform to the societal norm of that community. So let's for instance, let's say, for instance, you take the dog. Let's say you take a a family out of Ohio and they get displaced due to a a tornado or something, a storm. They move down to New Orleans and they have to raise their child in the hood. Now, how do you think their child is going to come out? Is their child going to come out more Ohioan or are they going to come out more New Orleans? They're going to come out more New Orleans, right? Because even though they were predisposed to being like the parent, they will be like the parent in many ways, that cultural norm is going to make that child's brain rewire to what the, the most consistent influence is. So if, let's say they see a parent the first couple hours a day, they send them off to school eight hours a day, they're in the hood with hood kids, that's more time spent with the hood kids, then they're gonna come home. And what's gonna happen is over the 12 years they're in school, they're going to be more adapted to their community than they are to your family background. And it's the same thing in reverse. You take a kid from a family from New Orleans, displaced from Katrina, move them up to uh, you know, somewhere up north, it's gonna have the same effect. And sometimes, People see in their family, they say, oh, I don't talk to so-and-so no more because she just changed. She's, she, she's changed. She thinks she's this or that, and she's not the same anymore. Well, it's because she went into a new community. And in her community, they frown upon the things you guys accept, and they encourage the things you guys think is lame. And that is that has become the new norm for her. And so what does that mean? the age-old thing, uh, a bad apple spoils the bunch, right? You know, one, one bad grape spoils the bunch. It's the same way in reverse. They always tell you, if you want to be different, change your circle. That's uh, nurture in a nutshell. Okay, so the way that you get help is, first of all, seek professional help, guys. I'm not going to say the professional, I'm not, I can't vouch for any other professional. Um, how can I put it? Um, it's the same way if you, are, if you are in soccer and you wanted to get a soccer coach, your training is gonna be different coach to coach. They're gonna have different methods and they're gonna have different levels of expertise. In the same way, psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists and counselors, you cannot put them all in the same boat. What one lady is doing, on this corner, the other lady on the other corner is doing something completely different. 
So you don't like the one you had 20 years ago. Does that mean it, counseling doesn't work? No. That works for you. You don't like that doctor? Switch. You know? And, and do what you need to do. Um, but seek professional help and stop using your friends as your therapist and stop using your relationship as a replacement therapist. These people are not equipped to handle issues like this. They do not have the knowledge to do that unless you're married to a cognitive behavioral therapist and you're not. If you're not, then stop expecting your spouse to fix you, okay? Um, create a supportive environment for yourself. If you know that the people around you are intensifying the type of behavior that you have, they're a bad influence, they do the same thing. You need to reduce your time spent with them. Um, create positive reinforcements for yourself to encourage yourself to make healthy choices and relationships. Practice empathy and patience with people because nobody is perfect. However, that does not mean to settle for abuse just to get, get yourself a, a pinch of affirmations here and there and then utilize therapy and interventions okay now i just want to give you a few book recommendations um these may not be books on um reactive attachment but they do talk about them among others that among other things attachment disorders treatment strategies for traumatized children by beverly james the Attachment Connection, Parenting a Secure and Confident Child Using the Science of Attachment Theory by Ruth P. Newton. And don't think, you don't say, well, I don't have any children. I don't need that book. It doesn't matter because it's going to teach you about yourself, okay? Another one is Attachment-Focused Parenting, Effective Strategies to Care for Children by um, Daniel Hughes. Two more. When Love is Not Enough, A Guide to Parenting Children with RAD by Nancy L. Thomas and Attachment-Based Family Therapy for Depressed Adolescents by Guy S. Diamond. Okay, so these are some books you can take to, and if you don't want to read, you can also go and look on YouTube. You can also send some questions. Next week, we're going to be talking about um, intuition, discernment, and paranoia. How do you know whether what you're thinking is God, uh, your brain, <laughs> or um, are you using good logical sense? Uh, but Daniel, do you have anything on this before we go on? To, any final words on a reactive attachment disorder? And thank you for being my guest today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, just back one final note about trauma, whether it's grief, there's more than one way to experience loss, tragedy, sadness, or grief. We've all just come through the worst part of the COVID-19 mm -hmm. uh, affair. All types of trauma rewrite your brain, rewrite brain cells. Yes. And that's why when Lebeau mentioned creating the positive environment, the supporting environment, these principles are not only for romantic relationships. My biggest takeaway from today is that these are familial relationships as well. This may be your mother. This may be your brother, your father. And 
when you decide that you are going to heal, it does mean separating yourself from some of those original stressors. And you have to be strong and be ready for people saying, oh, she thinks she's different or she's better. You are responsible for your own healing. Even if you are married to a cognitive behavioral specialist, the two of you need to go together for counseling because that spouse is too close into the situation sometimes. So mm -hmm. I see people who want to save others and our first responsibility is to save ourselves. Thank you. That's so true. And, and if that's not enough in, um, motivation, if you haven't had children yet, guys, you want to address these issues now because you don't want to do the same thing to your child, think just repeating what was done to you. And at the same time, do you know that we evolved so quickly that every, all of this stuff that you're doing is getting downloaded into your eggs, That's downloaded right. into your eggs. And how she said, this trauma rewrites your brain that is inscribed on your DNA that you're putting into your child. Yes. Okay. That's right. And so you want to resolve these issues and start doing positive things before you start popping them out. Um, because evolution is a lot different than what we, than what most Americans think it is and most people yes. think it is. Um, yes. It's more like how the iPhone updates go. Mm -hmm. Every time you turn around, there's a new update. That's how we update. We update really fast. And so you can positive, you can make a turnaround right now and um, have your child come out with a better advantage in life because you changed your behavior, your diet, or any of those things uh, that impact your DNA. And all of those things impact your DNA. So with that being said, we are going to end. Thanks again, Dania. You had Thank so many you. wonderful things coming in with the science and the references of the studies. Yay! <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, we will see you again soon. And hopefully we'll have all of our technical stuff figured out better. Um, but I might end up uploading two versions of this. And so, um, guys, uh, this will be available later on tonight. Remember, this is on Spotify. And every place you listen to podcasts is even on Audible. Just go and search it up. And uh, tune in next time. We have lots more to show you guys. So. You can change if you really want to. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to LeBeau's Life Lessons. Let's keep the discussion going. Join us on TikTok and follow. Remember to go to LeBeau'sLifeLessons.com for more episodes.